Happy Mother's Day. It's a beautiful day today. We are able to enjoy a great day together. Uh, thank you for uh, the many uh, prayers and encouragements you sent our way while we were vacationing uh, the last week or so, and what a blessing it was to hear from Dr. George Renner and then from Sean Allen, our pastor of student ministries, the last two weeks as we've been in the Psalms. We certainly enjoyed catching uh, those things, and we're greatly encouraged and blessed by that. Hopefully you were as well. We also greatly were greatly encouraged and blessed by 90 degrees and sun, and that was fantastic as we came back to 46 degrees and rain, and then 62 degrees and sun, and then, you know, that whole cycle. But what a joy. Good to be together today. We took some time away from Exodus, and we'll return there next week just to spend some, some time in the Psalms for encouragement. We've looked at Psalm 62, Psalm 46, and today we're going to be looking at Psalm 27. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there to Psalm 27. These Psalms that we've selected and, and drew our attention to are songs that bring about strength and comfort. They settle our heads and our hearts on the God who is with us in all the various kinds of contexts of this life. All the struggles, the joys, the challenges, the crises. It is God who is with us, and God is our strength. God is our comfort, and these psalms directed us to that, and we get to do that yet again. We're going to read the whole psalm over the, this time together, but right now we're going to start with the first six verses. Psalm 27. A psalm of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your grace and your mercy, your kindness to us. Thank you for your faithfulness to us, your faithfulness that goes for all generations. God, we come to you now, to your word, and we pray that you would do a good work in our hearts as we set our thoughts and affections on you and your truth. So be with us in the preaching, in the hearing, in the receiving, the believing, the trusting this, your word, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. It's so easy to appreciate the Psalms. Many of you probably go to certain Psalms again and again. They just have connected to you, your heart, your life, your experience. 
These are songs. These are prayers. These are pleadings. These are crying outs. These are real people really crying out to a real God in a moment of real need. In the context of crisis, we find ourselves needing courage to continue on. And the needed courage to continue is found in crying out to a real God, knowing this God. It's found in delighting in God through all of life. Psalm 27 gets at this. David is wanting to delight in God through all his life, even though in the moment of his crying out of Psalm 27, he is in a real and present crisis. Yet he wants his head, his heart, his life to be centered on, focused on, delighting in God in the midst of such a context. And that's our encouragement today. That no matter the context of our lives right now, that we would be eager to delight in God because it's there that we find the courage needed to go forward. So maybe some of us are in need of that right now. And I pray and I hope and I trust that you will find that as we consider Psalm 27. Because as we consider it, I want us to see and know and believe and trust and live with the reality that to know that this, delighting in God, is greater than all of life's circumstances no matter how hard they may be or how comfortable they might be, delighting in God is greater than all of life's circumstances. And as we work through this psalm, and we're going to go through uh, four stanzas, if you will, as we move through Psalm 27, we're going to find that delighting in God through all of life includes some things. First of all, the opening stanza kind of says the whole of the psalm. It includes confidence. That to delight in God through all of life brings about a confidence in the life of the delighter. The one whose head and heart is set on God. There's a confidence in the midst of all the circumstances and context of life that's, that's born and fostered and forged in the heart and life of the one whose head and heart is set on God. And then the rest of the psalm says kind of unfolds, how do we get that confidence? He, he says, this is what I'm going to be talking about in that opening stanza. And then in the next three, we find the process, if you will, that fosters the sort of confidence in the midst of all the circumstances of life. And the first is this, it starts with communion. Communion with God. There will be no confidence in life without communion with God. And that communion brings about something in our hearts. It brings this real thing called comfort. Comfort, we will see, is in our third stanza, that we are comforted in the midst of our circumstances, and that comfort grows and matures into courage. And it's there that we move forward with confidence in this life, knowing whose we are and who we are in the Lord. So that's how we're going to move through Psalm 27. We're going to talk about confidence and then we're going to see how we get that confidence through communion that leads to comfort that then leads to courage. So let's set our heads, our hearts on that together. First, confidence in the Lord. Let's read verses 1 through 3 again. We will consider each of these stanzas as we move into the next one. Verses 1 through 3, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? 
The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war arise against me, yet I will be confident. It's the umbrella stanza of the psalm. And the first thing that we find and see is this confidence isn't ambiguous or amorphic. It is real and it's specific. It's in the Lord. This is very important. It's confidence in the Lord. Not improved circumstances. Not in strength that you dug up from deep down within. It's, it's confidence in the Lord. And that's where we need to see is that the immediate thing to notice is that the confidence of the psalmist of David rests in the Lord. And he says these things about the Lord. He says three things about the Lord. He said of the Lord, He is the light, salvation, and stronghold. Hebrew poetry is an amazing thing. It's also incredibly hard. <laughs> Going through seminary was the hardest stuff to, to make sense of. Just like for maybe some of you in here, a, a room full of many engineers, any poetry is probably hard. Sorry. <laughs> but Hebrew poetry utilizes parallelism. That is, two lines look to say the same thing, but the second line furthers the thought. It adds a little wrinkle, a little flavor, a little something to it. So line one states it. Line two sort of adds to it or beautifies it or gives it a sense of of flavor or aroma. So line one says that the Lord is the, the, the light and salvation. God is the light and salvation of the psalmist. That's the first line. The second line adds the specific flavor to that. God, who is light and salvation, what kind of light and salvation? He is our stronghold. A place of refuge for the weary and the beat down, the oppressed, the tired, the worn. And that's been a little bit of our focus over these three weeks, is to see that God truly is that for you. Life is a dizzying and wearying thing. Many of us in here came in here tired, physically, emotionally, spiritually. And it's incumbent upon us to see that God is our refuge. God is our stronghold. And so the psalmist starts off right out of the gate, not talking first about his context, but talking first about his confidence in the Lord. Then we find that this comes in the context of a crisis. His confidence is in the Lord, and he has confidence in crisis. He has confidence in the midst of crisis because his confidence isn't based on those circumstances around it or his strength within. His confidence is based in the Lord. Therefore, he can have confidence even in crisis. We find parallelism again, describing the intensity of David's context. And we know enough of David's life that he's probably not exaggerating here. Like he probably literally has an army encamped against him. Now some of us, we, we, we see an army everywhere. But I think David actually could see a physical army against him. And that's his context. He's, 
He's in this. So the first parallel thought is this. It is an, it's these evil men that are against him. These enemies and foes set to advance, to attack, to devour. And the second line, the second parallel thought is that this enemy, this evil man set to advance, to attack and devour really is an army. An army. There is a war brooding and coming and it's coming for him. That's an overwhelming picture of a crisis. But in the midst of that, David knew of God's character and worth and ways and counted them greater than even the greatest threat on his life, the greatest trouble and the greatest hardship and the greatest crisis. He counted the character and worth and being of God far more valuable and awesome than even the context of an army encamped against him. Uh, It's amazing. Now, while you and I, we may not have armies seeking to make war against us, but we certainly can know overwhelming situations that can suffocate or feel way beyond our abilities, our strength, our capacities. We may know those feelings and the only confidence any one of us can have in those moments is in one who's greater than them. And the psalmist teaches us to go to the one who is greater, to the Lord, the light and our salvation, our stronghold, our place of confidence. But how then, how does this confidence take shape in David? How can he be confident even though an army comes ragefully at him. Well, that leads us to the second grouping that we'll consider, and that is step one, communion. Communion. Let's look at verses four through six. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that he obliterate all of my enemies and I never have to deal with this again. Nope. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in His temple, for He will hide me in His shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of His tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. Amazing. Amazing, his heart is set on knowing God, being known by God. And he prays for God's presence. He prays for God's presence. Verse 4 is striking in not only what it says, but in the unexpected place it says it. In the context of such turmoil, of the threat of actual literal war, David seeks God's presence. Does not ask necessarily for changed circumstances, but he asks to know the beauty of the Lord more deeply and intimately than he does. How can we have confidence in the midst of a hurried and harried life? How can we have confidence when things can just disappear so quickly, health or finances or jobs or relationships, 
How can we have context in the, or confidence in the midst of that kind of context? Well, we have to have hearts that are dwelling and gazing and inquiring of the Lord. We have God's nearness, close fellowship, communion with Him. It was fuel to David's soul. So may it be for yours. And again, he kicks up the parallelism again, saying it three times, to dwell, to gaze, to inquire. All of them are getting at the same thing. David longs to be with God. But he uses language that's important for us. He uses language that is also for David in his moment, very tangible and temporal. It's, it's not just theoretical or like later in, in glory, kind of like, I can't wait for heaven. David's actually longing to be with God in corporate worship. In the midst of a war brooding on his doorstep, David can't wait to get to church. That's important for us to see. He uses tangible, specific expressions of house and temple. Those meant something. They weren't just ideas. They were actual. It meant corporate worship in the house of God. It meant delighting in the glory of God with the people of God. Where is the fuel for David's confidence? Well, one of the crucial places... One of those filling stations, a significant one, is in corporate worship with God's people. For us, it might, we might put it like this. It means church is more than just a checkbox for the week, or a drudgery to wade through, or a moralism to perform. It means our gathered time together, the thing we're doing right now, is to be a delighting in God as fuel for our weary, tired, worn down souls and lives. It means we can't go about all of life without delighting in God together in corporate worship. God uses this thing we're doing right now to fuel our faith. Now, it's not the only thing He's doing in our lives, but it is a vital thing. So if we want confidence in the Lord, in the midst of the context of our lives, but we cut out communion with Him, especially delighting in Him with God's people in corporate worship, don't expect a whole lot of confidence to come your way. So many things pull for our time and our hearts. None of them are going to give us the kind of confidence that we need in the midst of a context of our lives. When we gather and we sing and we pray and we heard the, hear the word proclaim and we share our lives together in the context of delighting in God in corporate worship, He is actively at work in us, strengthening our hearts. And we all play a role in this. We all play a part, not just people on this stage, doing the things, though they're very important to this. But we all play a role in this. This is us gathering together, just like David in the midst of his context, saying to ourselves and with one another and to each other, come, let us dwell, let us gaze, let us see how glorious and awesome and beautiful and amazing God is. Even though we all might be in all kinds of things, let us be that sort of encouragement to each other.
God is awesome. Let's go take a good look at him. Let's sing about that together. I know you just lost a loved one. I know you're battling something physically that I don't think I could muster through. I know that there's a broken relationship that just weighs heavy on you. Your shoulders are slumped. Let's go dwell and gaze and inquire on how awesome God is together right now because I need it too. The, the place where David's confidence grows. It's the same place for you and I. Communion with God, with his people, delighting in his awesomeness. And that communion brings about something in us that we cannot find anywhere else. It brings comfort for our souls. Let's look at verses 7 through 10. He cries out. He draws near to God, and now he cries out. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger, O you who have been my help. Cast me not off, forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. I, I, do, you, do you hear the desperation of someone feeling overwhelmed here? I, I do. I feel this with him. I'm crying out to you. I've got nowhere else to go. This situation is overwhelming for me, and I feel alone. In fact, I've even been like forsaken by my parents. Oh God, you're the God of my salvation. And so that asks, we have to ask, what kind of salvation? Because David is crying out as a man who needs God to be God. And perhaps you know the ache and desperation of verses 7 through 9. You know what crying aloud sounds like. You know the deep wounds behind the cries, hide not, turn not, cast me not off. You know what it feels like to be alone. And, 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 and kicked out of some of the places that you've drawn on for encouragement and fellowship. And David's prayer intensifies with a loud, I need you. Even my parents are gone. And so you've got to ask, what kind of salvation is this? Verse 10 is our answer. But the Lord will take me in. The Lord will take me in, dejected, overwhelmed, alone, with nowhere to turn. David knows that God will take him in, in his brokenness and sin and all. He has nowhere else to go. The imagery behind that expression, but the Lord will take me in, is that of a, like that of a parent who stoops down to scoop up their child who's hurt him or herself. That, that scooping down, or that stooping down to scoop up. David knows that God will stoop down and scoop him up. The whole world can crash. But God 
will scoop him up. There is the kind of comfort that communion with God brings. Because everything else around us can't do what only God has the willingness and ability to do. David learns this, knows this in the midst of a crisis, and that fuels his confidence. And it leads to then incredible courage. Incredible courage. To know that God stoops down and scoops up leads to courage in the face of all sorts of contexts in this life. Look again at verses, or we'll look together now at verses 11 through 14. Knowing he has nowhere else to go, going to God, gazing on his beauty, crying out to him, knowing that God scoops him up, he says, teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. This courage possesses present strength and has a future glory. The present strength, first of all. The courage that is fostered from the comfort and communion with the Lord the kind of courage that is confidence in action is because the, God, the promise of God to take in, to lead, to guide, to protect, and those, all those things are with David all the way to the very end. And this gives David strength and confidence in the midst of his crisis. To know the surety of God and the victory at the end speaks louder than the tumultuous circumstances in the now. But this psalm teaches us so many things. It teaches us where to go for present strength and courage. We don't muster it up or manufacture it with reverse psychology. David isn't even escaping his circumstances with his longing look to the day when those circumstances will be no more. No, because David trusts in the Lord, because David knows his goodness is greater, his longing isn't an escape but an actual means of sustaining strength in present troubles. Because of the care that God has for His people. Because of the strength and commitment of His care. David has courage to face whatever comes. We have courage to face a broken relationship. We can have courage to face an impending job loss. We can have courage to face a brood of gossips. We can have courage to face a cancerous tumor. We have courage to face the lustful heart. And that courage is only found in the one with strength and power and grace to handle it all. And David finds that this God of his, the one he delights in in communion, the one who comforts his soul, is the one who gives him courage to face. So it is with us. And this brings about present strength. Present strength that also knows future glory. Now notice, 
David does get to that part, right? He doesn't just immediately skip all the stuff in the middle and say, all right, whatever these enemies do, I know I'll be with you, God, forever. It's true. It's true. Take comfort in that. But God's also very tangible and real and now. And that now means present strength now. And that present strength will give way to future glory. So now he gets to it. Now he says he knows that he will look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, even if this army approaching takes David's life, that's not the end. It's not the end. Even if what looks like horrible circumstances are going to win in your life, it's still not the end for you who delight in God through faith in Christ. Not the end. Not the end. David knows he will look on the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In spite of some hard circumstances, hard enough for David to cry out for help, the psalm ends with the sound of triumph. He knows he can count on God because God is the one who keeps his word. His name, Lord, Yahweh, which we've been making much of in our Exodus series, reminds the original hearers of this psalm that God is faithful to who he is and what he promises And he does not change. And to look on the goodness of the the Lord in the land of the living is the picture of victorious rest. Even if that cancerous tumor takes you, victorious rest, you who delight in God through faith in Christ, is yours. The journey is over. The weariness of battle is done. The sword is set down and the cup of rest is set. What a joyful end in the midst of an overwhelming crisis for David. And you and I, our hope of future glory, it brings present strength in the midst of that which we face. David has confidence in the Lord. That comes from communion with the Lord. And comfort from the Lord. And courage given by the Lord. And you too can have that in the Lord. And God has made that abundantly clear to you with a fifth C. Crazy alliterations today. (laughs) Can you guess it? It's Christ. It's Christ. It's Christ. Jesus is the culmination of all that David is teaching his heart about God. He's the culmination of Psalm 27. He's the end of it. He is the fullness of it. In fact, you can read back over Psalm 27 and you can put Christ in there. Jesus is our light and salvation and stronghold. Jesus is the house, the beauty, the temple. Jesus is the shelter, the cover, the rock. Jesus lifts us up above our enemies. Jesus is the tent. Jesus is the song of our melody. Jesus takes us in. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the level path. Jesus will not give us up. Jesus is the greatest demonstration of the goodness of the Lord in all of history. And Jesus is our strength. And courage in the context of this life. 
and is our future glory. So, friends, that sort of confidence is yours in full measure. God hasn't hold, held anything back. He hasn't closed off the spout. He has given it in full measure. Ephesians says it is immeasurable the amount of grace that He's poured out us on us in Christ. It's yours. That sort of confidence is yours. But it's found in Christ. In full measure, forever, yours in Christ. So to know the fullness of delighting in God through all of life, whatever that life is marked with, we must know and delight in God through faith in Christ. No other hope. No other place than all that God has done for you in Jesus. If your heart is far from Christ or hard toward Christ because maybe your life has been hard or not gone the way you've hoped or wanted, and maybe you feel a lot of brokenness in your life, and maybe sin feels so like entangled around your heart that you think that God wouldn't care enough for you, well, I, I want to say to you, the cross says otherwise. The Son of God set aside glory to come down into our humanity to live a life that we could not live and to overcome something we could not defeat, to give us something we could not gain. And while this grace comes to us freely, it comes at a great cost. He lived, he died, he rose again over the grave to display all that he set out to accomplish. He did in full, and it's yours through faith in that one who came for you. So if your heart is hard or far from God, I would encourage you with good news that God in his kindness made a way for you to turn from your sin, your hurt, your shame, to him through faith in his son, Jesus. And the Bible so sweetly says, all who turn to Christ through faith will not be put to shame. However, they will be saved. That's for you. Hear that this day. And for those of you where that God has done that miraculous, gracious work, therein lies Therein lies your confidence in this life, in Christ. Look nowhere else for what only Christ can give. Let's pray. God, we ask that you would do that good work in us. Strengthen and encourage our hearts. We need it. We're so easily discouraged or dissuaded or distracted, and we need to see your beauty most incredibly on display through your Son, Jesus Christ. The cross a shameful thing is yet the most glorious thing. For our Savior died so that we may live. God, may our hearts find great hope and strength and courage and confidence in Him. May we live with that in our lives, we pray in Christ's name.